This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday, October 1st. And Brendan, unfortunately, Sunday, October 1st is where the 2023 Chicago Cubs season ends. The Miami Marlins clinching the final wildcard spot with a win against Pittsburgh on Saturday evening. So today was moot. The Chicago Cubs finish at 83 and 79. Brendan, I think, you know, you and I had them at 84 uh, and 78. (laughs) So we're wrong. Correctly had them at 83. So uh, a lot of us kind of correct, but ultimately uh, they missed the playoffs. They missed the playoffs barely. And I think there is a lot to discuss uh, on this particular episode. Uh, But, you know, just starting right off the bat um season's over how 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 you feeling just immediately it's a mixed bag of emotions i'm gonna miss baseball there's no baseball for four or five months i'm gonna miss baseball uh at the same time (laughs) i'm kind of relieved you know it's been a stressful month man i mean you tweeted the other day i think it was what 12 to 14 games in which they were within two runs or something yeah emotionally i'm exhausted from this and then there's a lot to discuss which i'm sure will introduce this episode and continue throughout the off season but a lot of good a lot of bad a lot of frustration generally speaking i feel like a net positive in like a net good path forward but there's still a lot of frustrations it's a weird mix of emotions but right now I just miss baseball. I just finished watching Dansby Swanson give his, you know, locker room goodbye. I will yep. miss baseball. Yeah, and you know, we are already, I'm already seeing the quotes coming through from our guy, Ryan Herrera, um, you know, where Tom Ricketts is being asked about the offseason and spending over the luxury tax. So the offseason really has begun in earnest because Let's we are go. parsing oh, over right. the words of the owner, you know, 20 minutes after the season is over. <laughs> in typical fashion, too. Yeah. So uh, to lay out what Brendan and I plan to do today, obviously, uh, we now have an entire October where the playoffs will be going on, but the Cubs will not be participating. And also, uh, like, you know, they, they can't do anything. So we will have plenty of time to go through, you know, the good, the bad, the positive developments. And I think like we did last offseason as a, a full team, the CHGO Cubs team, you know, really dive into every player oh, and, and kind of set the table for this coming offseason. Uh, but I think today, you know, first we want to look at what happened, right? The Cubs had a four and a half game hold on a playoff spot at the beginning of September. The fan graphs put them at about a 95% chance to make the playoffs and they did not. So we will talk about how that happened. We'll kind of compare that and measure that against the modest expectations they came into the season with. We'll take a look at some of the mistakes and we'll talk about some of the things that were good and and things that, you know, as the season has just ended, we are happy that happened and our positive developments and and things like that. Uh, if you are joining us live on the YouTube chat, we appreciate you Thank being you. here. Hop in the chat. Let us know what we you're thinking. Live, Drop Barbara. some questions. Yep. We're going to do our best to get to them, but obviously a lot to talk about here. Uh, if you're listening later on the podcast, uh, we appreciate you. 
This is the end of, I believe, Brendan and I's seventh season eighth. talking about the Chicago Cubs, eighth, eighth. Yeah. Uh, and our second <laughs> with the CHGO Cubs team. Uh, we appreciate everybody's support. Uh, this season did not end how we wanted it to, uh, but for those of y'all that have supported Brendan and I for many years, we appreciate you. And decade. for folks uh, supporting CHGO and and maybe catching us for the first time, we're we're happy you're here, and uh, we're going to talk Cubs baseball because that is is what we do, uh, whether they have made the playoffs or not. So. Brendan, I think what sticks out for me, as you mentioned, I tweeted this the other day, the Cubs in September lost 12 games by one or two runs. So two runs or less. I don't know why I phrased it that way. Uh, That is a gut punch. That is the first thing that stood out to me about how this season ended. Like, obviously, a lot of us were happy that they were playing meaningful baseball really up until game 161, right? They, They made it so close. Uh, but that being said, this September, you know, you don't like to watch your team get blown out. That's not fun. But I think sometimes those losses are easier to stomach. This September for all of us was one just punch in the stomach after another. Blown leads, walk-off losses, uh, you know, the inability to score on bad pitchers, bad defense, just uh, just a, a horrible, like, stretch as a fan to sit through, right? Because it was just a a win that felt like you had or that was close and given away every time. So this was a a particularly brutal way, I think, for them to miss the playoffs, whether people expected it or not. And there's always the blame game. Do we blame the pitching? Do we blame the offense? Do we blame... Dansby Swanson's $177 million contract. There's always the blame game. What about David Ross and the decisions? What about Jed Hoyer not making deals at the deadline? What about Tom Ricketts not spending money over the years? It's easy to try to give the most blame to one aspect of an area of the organization. It's the entire sum, right? Yes. Ross, perhaps could have improved his decisions. I'm sure the front office and he himself will review those. Jed Hoyer made some mistakes in his free agent signings despite some successes with other signings. The players underperformed in September. There were stretches for many of the hitters in the middle of the order that were not good. Say it early on, Bellinger, good throughout most of the season. There was a little brief stretch there. Dansby was not up to his standards in the last two months of the year. There's a lot of a lot of blame to go around. But this team, if you zoom out, this team was not built for this. It it just was not. 83 wins was above their expectation. They were not built for this. I think they could have been built for this had certain moves been made months ago, years ago, perhaps. But this team, as it was constructed, was not good enough. Right. Uh, I, I, I see a lot of chatter about David Ross in the chat, and I'll just say this. Uh, again, we have a while to parse through this stuff, uh, but Tom Ricketts did speak to the media and did suggest that he is their guy. He liked what he did, and as long as the players believe in that clubhouse and believe in him, he would be back. Now, that doesn't mean it. You guys, if you've been listening to us for any period of time, you know better than to take anything that Jed or Tom or even Theo at the time said at face value. They say what they need to to the media and they have their own agenda, right? But the 
earliest indication we have, 10 minutes after the game, our guy Ryan Herrera sending those quotes in. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. Uh, the vote of confidence, right? So again, doesn't mean that that's what they're going to do, uh, but that is He'll what they back. said so far. So back. what I think, you know, in addition to how brutal this stretch was, um, I think what is particularly frustrating about how this played out is, yes, they landed around where we predicted as far as their record. Yes, they were playing competitively. They checked off a lot of boxes, I think, that they set out to accomplish at the beginning of the year, right? It was a much better year than last year. They were not sellers at the deadline. They were playing meaningful, competitive, playoff implication baseball up until the last day of the season, right? That was all on their list for them to do. But they had it, Brendan. They had it. They had a, a, a huge opportunity to make the playoffs. And I, even if they got swept in the first round, everybody would have said, unbelievable. Perfect year. Building block. Okay, boom. Let's go on to 2024. What I think frustrates me is the reason they didn't make the playoffs, if you're looking at it you know, under a microscope, is a lot of the things that we talked about this team needed to do coming into the season. How many times did you or me or Cody or Luke or Ryan or Jared or other Cubs writers, podcasts, et cetera, talk about how this team needed to be perfect on the margins, right? They needed to be excellent on the bases. They needed to be excellent on defense. They needed to take those little edges and be the better team. I always like to use the example of like loose balls in basketball, right? This Cubs team needed to get every loose ball because they don't have Michael Jordan to go and score 60 points a night, right? So what frustrates me is this September, it all fell apart. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? But they couldn't hold leads. They never t took advantage of bad pitchers. They were bad on the bases. They were bad in the field. I mean, even just this last week, a total mess yeah. in the field outside of some stellar plays, but just some horrible errors, badly timed errors. They played a sloppy brand of baseball for basically a month and they couldn't afford it. We knew that. They had to nail every little move and they didn't do it. And it and it reared its ugly head here in September and ultimately it cost them a playoff spot. It cost them a playoff spot. And maybe, yes, we were talking about the moves we had hoped they would make. I understand the direction Jed took. We're idiots, Who's to say that's what we think is actually what's real and going on? But there was a comment in, in the chat here earlier, what moves could have been made? Mm -hmm. And when I speak about this, I speak in generalities, right? I don't know specifically what moves need to be made. But going back into the offseason, you can follow the logic. And one of the points of, of rationale was keeping the possibility of acquiring a stable reliever at the deadline open. And you and I talked about this, and I feel relatively strong that we were almost right about the intention of wanting to keep that window open. And we said verbatim when we were discussing Michael Fulmer, 10 to 15 million, I would like 10 to 15 million open at the trade deadline. And if they were to sign space, an arm... Space until the luxury tax, you mean. Before you hit the luxury yes. tax. And we had the questions in January and February. Do you want to sign a reliever? My answer was, no, 
I don't want to sign a reliever because I am not confident in the current batch of remaining free agents, including Michael Fulmer. Now, at the time, Michael Fulmer, $3 million, you assumed it would keep them open around 10 to 15, but it didn't. They ended up being around $5 million at the trade deadline, and you were only able to go out and get Jose Quas, who became the next Steve Cizek for David Ross. Right. It wasn't enough. And then the idea, which I, looking back, could understand at the time, but you still have to refine your process when it doesn't work. The idea that Boxberger and Fulmer, those deals, would be sufficient for your bullpen depth didn't work. You have to refine that process. Injuries happen. Right. When those two guys went down at different points of the season, the bullpen suffered. Brandon Hughes, the knee injury, the bullpen suffered. Adbert Alzali has a long history of injuries, despite the incredible development of this year. But when you try to limit the nonsense and project the team with a high degree of confidence, one of the most unpredictable features is anticipating injuries. But if you have a group of guys with a history of injuries, you know you have to consider that. And they, to me, didn't quite consider that risk. And I wish yeah. they would have gone out and sure up the possibility that had those injuries happen, had some of the reversion from other pitchers happened, they would have been okay. And yeah. the, the fact is, despite the offense, which was truly a problem, that was a, a pitiful performance of September, despite that they could have squeaked out a few wins. That offense was right. quite good for four months. Their run differential is plus 100, Corey. Right. Had they squeaked out a few wins, we would not be having this discussion right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I again, I, I do see the David Ross chatter. I don't want to get into it too much because I want to look at, at the team, and I, I think David Ross is going to be a huge point of discussion for a lot of the CHDO Cubs shows going forward. Um, but I do think it is obviously a natural thought for people, Brendan, right? You have a team that had, that ends up with a plus 96 run differential, which is the best in the NL central, a division that they will not win. Uh, and they lost a wild card spot to the Marlins who have a negative 56 run differential and the Diamondbacks who have a negative 15 run differential. They also have a better run differential than the Phillies. Uh, then, as we said, you lost 12 games in September by a run or two runs. Whether it is, you know, his fault and you want to put the blame on him or not, a lot of that, and, you know, as Michael Collada in our chat on YouTube is saying, a lot of people are going to look at the manager. You lost a lot of close games. You weren't playing clean baseball. And you weren't able to capitalize on just having a better, like, run situation than all these other teams yeah, I get a lot it. of people are going to look at the manager <laughs> I get like that's I get it. I, I'm just gonna I'm just going to acknowledge that and it'll it, it's a longer discussion and you know it, it's going to be something we discuss a lot as as a group uh going forward here so we will um you know you can look back to the beginning of the year, Brendan, right? Like, and, and I agree with you. I think the deadline, this is in hindsight. You and I both said that they needed more relief help. Um, and I think the idea that you got such good production from Alzali, Leiter, and Julian Merriweather, yeah. right? And 
but those guys don't have that pedigree. And you knew that so much of your pitching staff, not just those three guys, but Justin Steele as well, um, you know, guys like Jordan Wicks eventually when he came up, Javier Assad, you knew that there was going to be innings limits. You knew that these guys were going to be throwing more pitches than they ever had before at a level that a lot of them have never done it before and in leverage that they've never done it before. So instead of saying, hey, we're really happy that these guys have carried us and we can use them, they their strategy at the deadline was, well, hopefully they can hold on, right, until, you know, the end of the season. And it wasn't a particularly sound strategy. Uh, and it obviously came to bit them, uh, bite them. Injuries yeah. happen. You can't prepare for them. They're certainly unfortunate. You know, they had a lot of significant guys miss time. But welcome to Major League Baseball, right? It's just not an excuse that a lot of people are going to want to hear and that a lot of people are going to take. But we can even go back to the beginning of the year when you talk about some of the things that they did. And uh, this is going to make Brendan and most of you sick, probably, but I'm going to read it anyway. Oh, uh, the Chicago Cubs gave 263 plate appearances to Trey Mancini. He was worth uh, negative 0.8 wins above replacement. So he was a sub-replacement level player for all of those 263 plate appearances. He started for this team, I believe, on July 30th, Brendan. So when you're looking back at moves they could have made or things they should have stopped doing, that's going to be one of them. Eric Hosmer, 100 plate appearances for this team, negative 0.4 wins above replacement. Uh, Tucker Barnhart was slightly above replacement at 0.2 because his defense was pretty good, uh, but he put up a 53 WRC plus uh, in 123 plate appearances. So I I am not at all suggesting that that is the sole reason for anything or but whatever but that is almost what 500 plate appearances of just absolute garbage and with mancini in particular it they waited a long time and so you're you you like everything else you don't want to put everything onto uh one guy or one part of this organization but they missed the playoffs by what two games you have to you have so to you, you can the look process. back at whatever you want and of say course. well had they done this maybe they win two of games of course yeah. there's good decisions there's bad decisions there's gray area decisions yeah. and they all deserve well, reevaluation to, the good and bad just to jump in but it's a good comment from Zaf Anonymous in our live YouTube chat it's it's over 500 plate appearances on players they DFA they, they miss and that were sub replacement that. level that is like almost a full season of a, a single player yeah. and it was awful yeah and you came down to essentially one game that you missed the playoffs by uh that needs to be refined it well, does and not to not to cut you off but I'm like I got a lot of thoughts to make so um Ultimately, they leaned on those guys for their veteran presence, right? It's something we heard a lot, like that their presence in the clubhouse, you want them to be leaders and lead by example. But ultimately, what almost got this team in the playoffs, not solely, but was youth, right? So they they, they went the one direction and you look... Christopher Morell, Javier Assad, Jordan Wicks, like all these guys, youth was almost... Uh, you know, the biggest reason you almost ended up in the playoffs in the first place. So the the deference to these older bad players certainly cost them. It was a jointed effort. They were rostered. Jed Hoyer could have DFA'd Mancini oh, earlier. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, absolutely. They're, yeah, and they're, they're, they were rostered. Now, we can jump into a variety of topics here. First 
points in my mind, we're not going to get into the specifics today. I do not want to do this with David Ross today. You have a whole offseason to do this. But generally speaking, at the surface, it's foolish for me. Personally, I feel foolish to not acknowledge that one of the benefits of the Cubs and the future going forward is that they have a robust pitching infrastructure that does need refinement. There were extreme breakages in Keegan Thompson and Jeremiah Estrada. Not happy with the development of Hayden Wisniewski this year. There are refinements that need to happen. Nevertheless, the bulk sum appears quite strong, where Craig Breslow has been rumored by another big market to potentially be leaving the Cubs for they are looked upon favorably now, where in years past they weren't. That requires, though, which ultimately why David Ross will be back, it requires organizational-wide cohesion from the Dominican Republic players, coaches, trainers, up to single-A, up to double-A, triple-A, and the major league roster to the scouts in the front offices. And whether you like the decisions, whether I like the decisions, for the in-game choices or not, Ross is part of that cohesion in promoting the development. We were able to talk about Adrazali as a legitimate bona fide closer is due to the glue among all these levels. Julian Merriweather, his development, he was a guy who was perhaps out of the league by Toronto of a year ago. We're talking about Mark Leiter, who was DFA'd, having the trust early on where he became your eighth inning guy, your exclusive, almost lefty, high leverage guy. And I don't like some of the decisions. Personally, my idea always will be be super aggressive with a lot of decisions. And at times I was not thrilled with the lack of aggression pointing to those veteran moves. But I do have to acknowledge that if I talk about the pitching infrastructure and my liking of it and my confidence going forward, then you have to acknowledge that the manager plays a significant role in that. And if you want to get rid of Ross for someone else, sure, but I hope that the glue and cohesion remains. So first ad break here from Focal. Get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, everything in between. Baseball season's over, but you can still get Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for the offseason and spring training coming up in February. They also have given us lovely set decorations. They've donated a few awesome pieces for our sets. Go show them some love. Check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Another ad break here from our sponsor, Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair I've worn, you've worn. They have durable frames, extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures, and that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by Lost and Bro and replacements if you lose or break your pair even on day one they told us 
They will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. And together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact, from building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime. Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair, return them for free, Within 30 days, there's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back and exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs. Polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Corey, are we back here? Do you hear me? Are we good? Say again. Are we back here? You good? Yes. Yeah, okay, I was having excellent. a little trouble hearing you. Yeah, we've, we've, um, we've resurrected Corey. Yeah. So, I, yeah, man, like ultimately there's a lot of blame to go around. And I, I, I'm looking at our live YouTube chat and it, it seems to be quite mixed, right? Like of where people seem to be the angriest about what happened here. And there are some folks that are, you know, happy with the way the year went and ready to build on, uh, you know, something bigger in hopefully 2024. Um, you know, again, like ultimately, I think it's just the way that this happened. And you and I have talked a bit about, you know, it just being somewhat predictable, right? Like this team was not built to last through this. And there's, there's one part of logic that is going to say, well, you know, that's kind of what they went into the season suggesting, right? They were going to see what happens and hopefully uh, compete and it is what it is. But as we said, like when you enter September with a, a stranglehold basically on a playoff spot and you give it away by playing bad baseball, I think there was a tweet from Sahadev Sharma uh, at The Athletic that in uh, September, the Cubs allowed 15 unearned runs. 14 of them came in seven losses in which the Cubs were outscored by a combined 13 runs. So it was right there. Like it, yeah. it, there is any... There is a you can list a bunch of games that they could have won. And of course, that's true for every team, right? The Cubs also won some close games and stole some games from people, stuff like that. But does anybody care about that when you miss the playoffs by two games, right? No, you're looking at a stat like Sahad I've just read, the amount of one or two run games you played, the amount of errors you made, things like that. They, they you know, they had 10 innings. I think they scored four runs off of Chris Flexen, right? In, you know, when they were playing Colorado, Brendan, like there's a number of things. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, it was Tom Ricketts actually uh, who said, I don't want to get in the habit of saying that seasons where we don't make the playoffs are good seasons. And he went on to say that some good things happened. There was some good moments, blah, 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 right? Uh, but that's not to agree with Tom, right? But uh, that's kind of how I would look at it, Brendan, where it's like, I know what this the expectations were. I understand the limitations and I'm hoping that the future is where they are focused, right? To push chips in and really try to be a World Series juggernaut contending team, uh, but it is hard to shake. Like they gave this away, and they they really have nobody to blame but themselves. And you can go back to some of the things at the beginning of the year that they did, and you can also look at some of the moves they didn't make at the deadline. Everybody knew they would need more relief help. Everybody knew they tried. 
with Candelario. It didn't really work, right? So I can't really fault him there. Uh, you know, it just, he did not come over and provide that offensive lift that they really needed. And then he got hurt. It is what it is. Uh, but, you know, the bullpen stuff, the pitching staff stuff, the depth just wasn't there. You know, you were trying to ask those guys to do a job that they are just not equipped to do, and it cost you. So yeah. it's, it, you know, as a fan, it's just, it, it's particularly uh, frustrating. Whether I can see the the good and the positives, um, there are a lot of reasons that they did not end up making the playoffs, and some of them were quite easy to predict, and you and I did, and plenty of other people did, and I don't feel good about being right about that, right? But, um, you know, we were asking them to get rid of that dead weight April 15th. We were probably done with, <laughs> you know, those three players, right? I mean, like March a lot of people didn't like the Hosmer signing in the first place because yeah. they thought they would defer to the veteran presence too much. And of course, Matt Mervis came up and wasn't good. Um, and, you know, those things happen. So uh, it's it's frustrating. Uh, there There's a lot of, you know, you do the autopsy on this team and there are a lot of causes of death, right? There is not one and some are going to be easy to kind of get over, I think, in the next few months and others are probably going to sting for a little bit. Yeah, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of frustration. It always is going to happen. There's frustration towards players that make the most money. There's frustration towards Ian Happ batting third for the majority of the year. This frustration with Dansby Swanson at the tail end of the season. I understand all of that. My larger response to that is when trying to project offenses, the ceiling of an Ian Happ or a Dansby Swanson is not high enough. And if you look at Dansby Swanson's projection this year offensively, he hit his projection on the nose. He was an above-average offensive bat, despite some of the late-season struggles. He showcased why he's one of the best defensive shortstops of all time. Ultimately, Nico and Dansby accumulated 10 total wins above uh, replacement. That's awesome. That is every bit worth of that contract. Then again, we talked about this in December and January, and there was an episode you and I did called the Dansby Swanson scenario, and that may have been interpreted as negative at the time. But in that episode, we discussed, yes, Dansby Swanson would be an excellent signing, but they need to layer on that signing. Yeah. They didn't layer on that signing for reasons that you can go back and criticize and try to understand the process. But the main point that we talked about and that we'll talk about going forward is you need certainty in your lineup. Dansby Swanson never was a middle of the order bat. He's an above average offensive bat and especially so for shortstop position and more so for any defensive shortstop in recent memory. Insanely valuable. But even from Jed's words, uh, his mouth himself, this team needs power. Good teams blow other teams out. They didn't do that. You saw an extreme breakage of that in September. And going forward, when we talk about an offense and a middle-of-the-order bat, I'm not talking about Ian Happ anymore. I'm not talking about Chris Morrell batting leadoff for third. I'm not talking about Dancy Swanson batting third, fourth, or fifth. I'm talking about what will it take to get Juan Soto? What will it take to get Cody Bellinger and then some? Show me, please. 
the 400 weighted on base average hitters that bat third and fourth that we had in 2016 with KB and Rizzo. We've never had that. It was unfair and foolish from the front office to expect that those guys would go above their projection because they hit the nose on that projection. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, uh, I understand, you know, in particular why people are going to be disappointed in the way the season ended for Dansby, right? He signed a big contract. He talked constantly about winning. uh, And in, you know, I think August and September, he was a below league average hitter, right? Uh, That being said, right, I do agree with you. And I think this is similar to Ian Happ. Like, it is not those players' fault if the Cubs are asking them to be players they are not, right? This season for Dansby was very much in line with who he's been his whole career. I believe by war, this is the second most valuable season of his career, right? You don't have to love war to acknowledge that, right? The full sum of his production was very good and very much in line with who he has been as a player his whole career. Anybody that watched the Braves would tell you he was always a streaky hitter where he would disappear for a while and then he would appear, right? The full sum was very much who Dansby Swanson is. The fact that the Cubs needed him, not just wanted him, but needed him to be a fifth hitter in this order, he just isn't. He, he isn't. And I always say this to people, but if you look at go, game one, when the Cubs, when the Braves won the World Series against the Astros, Dansby Swanson hit ninth in that lineup. And he hit ninth for a reason, right? And they win the World Series because they have guys like Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna, those guys, real sluggers, right, who carry the lineup. Again, I understand why people are frustrated, right? You talk a big game, and there were a lot of clutch opportunities, and he grounded into a double play. He had a few, you know, 0 for 4, you know, 3 or 4 strikeout games. Like, I get why people are going to look at him and and be – you know, shine the spotlight on him because he asked for it, right? But all I would say is to just properly contextualize it. Like, he's not that hitter. He he is not a hitter that is going to carry this lineup. Neither is Ian Happ, really. Ian Happ is a wonderful complimentary hitter. He's a very good player. But this team needs stars, right? Legitimate stars. Cody Bellinger performed like that for most of this season. He kind of sputtered out toward the end. Um, but... Like, that's the type of production that they needed. And I, I, I always look, you know, now at like the L.A. Dodgers as a particular example because they've changed a lot in the last few years. They are not the kind of juggernaut. They win a lot of games. But in terms of like their roster, you don't necessarily look at it like you did a few years ago and go, oh, my, like this is like an all-star team, right? Yeah, but what a little bit more top-heavy now. What do they do every day, Brendan? They let Freddie Freeman and Mookie yeah. Betts Bat one two, get all the plate appearances, and those guys are nine fifty OPS guys. They are studs. They're Hall they of Famer guys. Yeah. Yes, the Cubs need more of that. If they yeah. are relying on Ian Happ and Dansby Swanson and you know Christopher Morell as he's learning to you know to succeed at the major league level, it, it, you're asking guys to do stuff that they're not really equipped. And to they do. know and, that. And, they know and, that too. Say again. They know that too. The front office yeah. knows that, yeah. right? They they were willing to accept that risk this year, but they know going forward 
they need more certainty. You need if you want thumpers, to go above, man. You they need, need like thumpers. studs in that yeah. line. Yeah. If you want to go above a 90 win projection, then you need to push the boundary. You need to push yeah. that upper echelon of your projection. You need a lineup where, you know, Dansby and Ian are hitting six, seven, right? Because you have so many good hitters hitting in front of them. And then your lineup yeah. is so deep and complemented with these guys. But again, I, I understand, right? When you are the, it's, it's the same as Marcus Stroman, Brendan, like when you are the big free agent signing of a particular off season, you talk, a big game and you want to be that guy, this is the type of scrutiny that comes with being that guy. And I think Dansby said this to the reporters yesterday, that he was not good enough down the stretch. He was frustrated with his offense down the stretch. I, you know, it can all be true, right? Like he, he was not clutch at the end of this season here and you want him to be, he wants to be, but for this team to be at the top of this league and competing with the Braves, et cetera, you you need you to be in a situation to, you need, you need where to. you are not relying on him to do that because you should not be doing that. It's a necessity. You need those consistent bats. Yeah. And we're And it's not easy to find. It, Jed has a pretty not, tall order in front of him. Yeah. And that goes back to the earlier points when we're talking about what could have been done. I don't know. It's not our job to try to say, hey, if they did this, then they would be here. No, that's stupid. No one should ever think they know more or have all the information to think that the best path forward is obvious because it's not. But one of my hopings for this front office for years now was to go out and you acquire an equivalent of a Mookie Betts trade. Yeah. You, you make a signing of an equivalent of a Freddie Freeman type deal. And then you complement those structures with good depth, which is what the Dodgers have done in their pitching and the back end of their bullpen. And the back end of their bullpen, if you look at just the Dodgers back end of the bullpen, I don't know why we're talking about the Dodgers today, but they are a good example. They don't walk guys. And really, if you look at a lot of their bullpen guys, they don't walk guys at extreme rates, but they also don't really strike out that many guys. And they're having this success too. Like, uh, uh, they're back end eighth and ninth guys. I think their their cumulative K per nine is like seven and a half, eight for a reliever. I talked about how I always want K guys, but they walk guys at like one and one and a half uh, uh, guys per game rates. That's insane. So it can work, but ultimately you need a Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts type yeah. figure. And then if you're lucky, if you're the Braves, you get that and then some. And you can extend those guys for multiple years. And that was what the plan was in the mid-2000s with KB and Rizzo and it just ended up not working. But my hope is where I will judge Jed significantly and make like an ultimate decision of how I feel about the front office after this offseason. If you don't go out and make, this is just setting the stage, we'll talk about it. If you don't go out and make a Juan Soto-esque deal, I am not happy. I'm not happy. Well, it's it's, it's going to be a tough offseason to navigate. Um, you know, Cody Bellinger, obviously a free agent. He was saying very nice things about playing for the Cubs and playing at Wrigley Field, uh, but he's going to have a very strong market. Uh, he finished with a 134 WRC+, plus, 4.1 wins above replacement, the second highest total in his career outside of the year. He won the MVP for the Dodgers in 2019. Uh He's going to be costly, Brendan. Uh, and, Who gets center you know, field money? Yeah, and you look at you know someone like uh, 
Matt Chapman, who I think was a, a, a target for some people because he plays third base. I think he was good to start the year, but he's going to be 31, uh, 110 WRC plus, And I think since May, he's been terrible. So how that one's going to look, I don't know. Uh, before we hit our last ad break here, I do see a couple uh, quotes uh you know, from some folks in the live YouTube chat, um, we're just for context, we already talked about the bullpen a little bit and the pitching staff and stuff. We're not saying that the offense is the reason that the Cubs didn't make the playoffs. It's sometimes been part of it, right? What we're talking about is if you want to be an elite team starting next year, you need more of those hitters. You need a more consistent lineup and you need some more real studs in that lineup. You may not be able to get to the level of Atlanta, right? Like, because that offense is insane. It's something we haven't seen in decades. Uh, but you need some more star power in there to feel truly comfortable. Uh, we always go back to Jed's quote of the best teams blow people out. And the Cubs did not. And that is where this bullpen stuff really rears its ugly head. Um, you know, again, if, if you were asking me on like if I was asked what is the single reason they didn't make the playoffs, right? I It is the pitching staff, I, I, I believe, if I had to pinpoint one thing. It was the lack of depth for yeah. this pitching staff. You had too many starters not go deep in games from the beginning of the year. Uh, Tyone finished really well, but obviously was a disaster to start the year. Stroman probably dealing with that rib cartilage thing before he went on the I.L., but he was bad since June, right? Um, probably due to injury, but you know, ultimately the result is the result, right? Uh, and then the bullpen, you know, you were fried. You blew so many games. You weren't able to hold leads. Um, and you were just asking a group that was not equipped to pitch so many high leverage innings to close down a bunch of really close games. And it just is, again, yeah. I, there's blame everywhere. But if you asked me, pick one thing, you can only pick one thing. It was the pitching depth. It just wasn't there to get through this entire season. The only qualified pitcher for innings was Justin Steele at 175. You need more yeah. than that. You know, you can look back to even 2016. You know, you had a whole staff that was approaching 180 plus. Lester, Arietta, Hendricks, Lackey had a huge sum. Jason Hamill actually had a huge sum as well. 175 for your only guy is just not enough. And then going, before we do this ad break here, going a little bit deeper into the bullpen. Keegan Thompson's reversion, Jeremiah Estrada's reversion, Hayden Wisniewski's lack of fastball yeah. development was a problem. Drew Smiley's reversion in the second half, who's under contract, still has success in the bullpen, but under contract for next year at $10 million was a problem. They did not anticipate Brandon Hughes' knee injury, did not anticipate uh, Boxberger's year-long injury, Michael Fulmer's forearm problems, but it was still nevertheless risky. Jamison Tyone, they did not anticipate the fastball command would escape them. They were a little aggressive on trying to get the most out of these guys. Aggressive in Fulmer and that sweeper. Aggressive in, in a lighter and increasing the splitter usage, which perhaps caused some fatigue. Aggressive with trying to push the boundaries on guys like Alzelite. Game in, game out in late August. They were very aggressive, both on using guys as well as trying to optimize and get the most out of it. And I think once the entire group meets and tries to understand what went wrong and what went well, like they will need to make some changes, you know? Like it's yeah. just, it's going to happen. They know that some things didn't work out 
and you can't accept that as something that's random. There's something that needs to be fixed and optimized, but it doesn't take away a lot of the successes. Yeah. Uh, when I think, you know, ultimately, again, you know, the front office is going to know this. Everybody's going to know this. I think when you're looking back at the 2023 season, the the key takeaway is should they have done something differently earlier right because it's not like the way this season ended is like everybody's like what you know like that team fell apart it's like yeah like you know we know right like you didn't have the depth in so many places to navigate this full season the you know i think the real question is should they have handled the off season differently or should they have pivoted earlier, right? And when you did make the decision to be buyers and not sellers at the deadline, did they go aggressively enough to make sure that they had plugged all the holes? And obviously, as we sit here talking about a team that isn't in the playoffs, the answer is no. Well, you can go back even to last year, right? And one of the processes I hope gets reevaluated slightly is just the 40-man concepts really conservative with the 40 man decisions in in my perspective my dumb perspective but i wished that they were aggressive with matt mervis in 2022 right the reason for this is had the information been made aware to the front office that mervis would struggle against major league pitching perhaps that informs what they do in the where an eric hosmer deal seems too risky I liked what they did this season with calling up PCA, super aggressive. I like the Canario call-up, super aggressive. I really like the concepts of getting the most out of young pitchers that still need to be developed, like Daniel Palencia, who almost had 30 innings, who still needs to develop, by the way. But I like that because, to me, that process represents a fast iteration process. And it perhaps gives the front office more information to make better decisions for the roster as a whole. And I and I, I can't shake that idea that one of the reasons Hosmer was on this team, one of the reasons why Trey Mancini was on this team, because they didn't know enough right. about Matt Mervis. And they were too conservative with that lack of call-up. And it may have cost them. I don't know. But I would like to see them persist on the aggressiveness with the pitching, but also continue the recent aggression on the positional side. Yeah. And there's, it, you know, it's a tough balance, right? And we saw this at the end here, you know, uh, PCA obviously needs more time. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. I saw Raphael uh, earlier in the chat, um, you know, mentioned that he had thought that early on and, you know, there was probably some pushback. I think the pushback was just because, he wasn't getting an opportunity to play every day. Like if you want him to truly adjust and see if he can hang at this level, you have to kind of let him do it. But to your point, you're in the middle of a playoff race. So like if you can't, if you're not ready to hit, how much time can you commit to that when you're desperately trying to win every yeah. single game, right? So it is uh, part of the calculation, right? You want to get young guys in, you want to help them develop, but it becomes trickier to balance when you are trying to win every game. Now, a lot of people are going to look at the way Canario ended up swinging the bat and say, boy, I wish he would have played more, right? And not yeah. sat out for a week and a half after he hit a grand slam. And I would be one of those people, right? But yeah. ultimately, look, he'll be evaluated on it. Ross committed to particular guys and wanted those guys to try and win it out. And they didn't do it. And 
he'll be held to that. I, again, I we're not going to get in too deep in the weeds. I would be shocked if David Ross does not return for you this team. To, I'm not dismissing all the reasons, and I'm not saying that's my decision, but just my opinion, I would be very surprised if the Cubs have a different manager next year, uh, whether people like that or not, whether I like that or not, whether you like that, Brendan, you know, uh, I hear the argument. I make a lot of those arguments, but that is just my guess. Um, but that is the decision that he made, right? To stick with those guys and ride with, as he said, a lot of the people that got you there and it didn't work. And again, yeah. part of that is that it, that key balance of how do you get these guys major league experience? Um, how do you let them adjust to major league pitching? Because you can't do that when you start on Monday and then you pinch hit on Friday and you don't start again until the following Thursday, right? Like PCA is very young. This was a very difficult situation for him to be into. It doesn't change any of my opinion of him as a top prospect or as someone that is going to be a huge contributor and I think ultimately uh, a star player in this league. Uh, but asking him to do it in this circumstance, it it, it was not something that he was uh, able to do. And I, I don't think that's surprising, uh, but that's that's what we saw and 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 to your point even about Mervis now we're going to go into this offseason and you're going to have that feeling of look PCA needs more time to adjust to major league pitching can that's we break camp with him as the center fielder without yeah. the ability to be patient for him to learn yeah. at the major league level which you have to be for a young player and in you a prospect you have to, to be patient you have to give him that time will the cubs have it though or will they have a you know, a roster that needs to hit the ground running on day one. That's yeah. for the off season to decide. All right, let's do this ad break here and we'll finish up the season ending podcast here. Corey, crazy. All right. CSGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a very deep beer roster, the Oktoberfest, the Beer Hug Family, 312 Wheat Ale. They have the Full Pocket Pilsner, the Everyday Beers, what those who make beer are drinking. Grab Ultra Fresh Brewery exclusive beers at Goose Island's original brew house in Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. Another break here from our sponsor, Fubo TV. Fubo has over 140 live channels of sports shows movies and news stream live tv from any device watch the most chicago sports for the lowest price and you can start watching immediately with a free trial no contract no cable no hassle just sign up and start watching over 1000 hours of cloud dvr is also included at no extra charge you can watch your local teams while traveling if you want to watch college football like the Big Ten, if you are completely miserable and you want to keep watching the Bears, you can watch the NFL, NFL Network, Red Zone. You can watch the UEFA Euro qualifiers, the Ryder Cup that's been going on. Fubo TV has you covered. And right now, uh, we have also the NFL back, and you can bet on the NFL with DraftKings. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus. Best throwdown on any of this week's epic matchups to talk to walk away as an instant winner. And DraftKings is not stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day in this month. Football is more fun when you're in on the action. So download 
download the app now. Sign up with code CHGO and new customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code CHGO. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, over one, over 21 years of age, varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, csportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus best expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposits restrictions do apply. Reading that made me feel as if I were playing for the Cubs in September. Just completely exhausted over here. Uh, We do have a super chat from Gerard who has been in this chat, uh, I think, all season. We appreciate you, Gerard. I couldn't have gotten through 162 games without CHGO Cubs. Corey and Brendan, thank you for all your knowledge, passion, and dedication to Chicago Cubs baseball. I'll be here for the offseason and spring training 2024. Thank you, Gerard. We appreciate uh, that very much. Uh, Also, a super chat from Rob German or Rob Herman. Uh, I know it's Herman for some of the guys in Major League Baseball. So Rob, however you pronounce your last name, uh, we appreciate the super chat. I don't see a comment, uh, but if there is something uh, you wanted to add to that, just drop it in the YouTube chat and we will read it. We appreciate the super chat. And appreciate all you uh, for being here with us throughout the season. Some of you have been, as I said, with Brendan and I for years. Some of you uh, just meeting us through CHGO Cubs and the the rest of the CHGO Cubs staff. Uh, But we are are very happy to have an audience to talk about the Cubs. We're very happy to have people to interact with and talk about this team with uh, because that is what we're trying to do at CHGO is, you know, build the community and, and find people who are, watching 162 games of this team and and gutting it out right together uh, to talk about this team so this discussion could go on and it will unfortunately go on for months brendan um but ultimately again the cubs miss the playoffs they finish with 83 wins uh the 95 percent playoff odds they had at the beginning of september gone uh, and, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, uh, you know, a huge portion of that, right? You know, the the reason you lose all those tiebreakers is because you didn't play well against these teams you were competing with, right? You had that brutal series against Miami where I think all of the games, all of the losses were by a single run, right? Um, and then you had seven games with the Arizona Diamondbacks here in September, and they knocked you around. Uh, they earned that wild card spot over you, no questions asked, right? There is nothing to look back there and say, oh, the Cubs deserved it. You know, Arizona took it to you, right? They were 6-1, and one, I believe, against the Chicago Cubs. Yes, like, they were. that's a huge reason for it. You know, we can even look at all those other things, and, you know, it's it's extremely nuanced. But straight up, had this team been better against Arizona or better against Miami earlier in the season, we are having a different conversation, and we are likely getting ready for a playoff game on Tuesday. So any number of ways to look at this. Uh, In the last few minutes here, um, I see a comment in our live chat. Hi, I'm Brendan Moore. I'm a fan of Chicago Cubs baseball. Hi, Brendan. Welcome to the chat. We are too, uh, even though it makes us miserable. Um, I want you to tell me your – give me a positive takeaway from this season. We will finish on a positive. I think we spent the the first 50 minutes here – talking about what happened, 
right? The the reasons that this team didn't make the playoffs, looking into some of that, going through some of the torture, torturous stats that just sound miserable, right? About how this happened and how it all fell apart. Give me a, a positive takeaway on this season and, and not just, you know, spinning something, but a truly positive takeaway from the 2023 Chicago Cubs baseball season. Cohesion. You saw it from scouting, from drafting, from graduating players, from single A to major league baseball. Matt Shaw was drafted three months later. He's in the conversation for third base next year. That is a testament to how the Cubs have changed their front office structure, their scouting structure with Dan Kantrovitz. And without understanding the nuance of decisions and the nuance of development in the whole spectrum of free agent possibilities, I fall back on generally speaking, the front office appears for the first time in quite some time to exhibit a degree of cohesion across all levels. And that gives me confidence because there might be moves and decisions that I'm not thinking of, that I'm not expecting, and ultimately they may happen that get this team to the next level. And the reason I think that, again, is because the bulk sum of the value this year, Jordan Wicks graduated, perhaps a staple in the rotation from day one, Daniel Palencia, 30 innings pitched, uh, Javier Assad, incredible development. And the fact he did it, the fact that Javier Assad succeeded in a way that wasn't a cookie-cutter type method, heavy sweeper, heavy fastball, adds more information to predictive tools to find similar type pitchers, very valuable. Overall, the, the direction seems positive. The direction seems better than most teams in the league, despite some of the nitpickiness you and I do today and will do in the future. And still, despite that positive feeling, they got to make the moves this offseason. It may not be enough, yeah. but generally speaking, it feels good right now. Yeah, uh, I do see the father of Del Metrics, one Cody Del Mendo in the chat. Brave <laughs> of him, credit to him after the Bears game Still that alive. he endured. As I always say, though, a good aside, uh, our CHGO Bears team is the best in the city. I believe, uh, and although this season is obviously an utter mess, uh, their coverage is second to none. They had another tailgate today. Brendan and I are, are not in Chicago. I am not in Chicago today, unfortunately, but uh, those tailgates are an amazing event, an amazing way to meet other Bears fans and have a great time uh, before the games on Sunday mornings or afternoons. So check all that out at allchgo.com. I, I, I don't think you'll regret it. Um, for me, yeah, I think there there's a lot of individual positive takeaways. I think the the progress we saw from some of these young guys, the contributions you got from Jordan Wicks and Javier Assad um, being thrust into a horribly difficult situation, taking over uh, full-on rotation spots yeah, in the middle of a playoff every, race every where every day. game was must win. I mean, that that was a massive effort from those guys. You know, Wicks, of course, his last start is one to forget, but he was really good. Javier Assad was really good. Uh, you know, they need to find a position for him. Um, but at 24 years old, Christopher Morell with a 118 WRC plus on the season, I think a really nice season for Christopher. Um, Seiya Suzuki finishing the year with a 126 WRC plus, 3.2 wins above replacement. Um, obviously carried this team offensively uh, for the last few months here, was one of the best hitters in baseball for the last few months here. I think that's a huge, huge yeah. development. Um, and... Yeah, I think it was progress. 
ultimately I'm, I'm very disappointed and frustrated and I can't really brush off the way that they let this slip away from them, uh, given the opportunity they had, you know, coming into September and the way that they played from and that you should kind have. of two week stretch pre trade deadline on, they had it, man. This was a, a fun team. It was a fun season and they, they blew it right for a lot of reasons and not just reasons that happened in September they go all the way back to the off season as we discussed uh but i am frustrated with that that being said ultimately the year was in large part what we wanted right it was better than last year they had a winning record they bought at the deadline they were competitive in game 161 there was a playoff spot potential for them even if the odds were low by that point and that is what we wanted and that's not to excuse what happened. And of course, that standard is not what we want for the Chicago Cubs, for one of the richest organizations in all of sports, right? Like that is not the standard we want. But when they start on that partial teardown or whatever they were, you know, retool or they were calling it, that's what you want in the process. Bad gets better, gets better, gets better. And now the task is, and this is something that you, me, Ryan, Cody, Luke, Jared, uh, we'll all talk about on CHGO Cubs shows going forward here in the offseason. They need to kill this offseason. No exceptions. That is the gauntlet that I think all of us are laying down. And it's not going to be easy. It's not that easy. I think somebody said earlier in the chat, everybody wants elite bats. Everybody needs impact bats. Yeah. And the Cubs better go get them. Yeah. <laughs> they better be the ones to get them. Because this standard where we're like, well, it was a fun season, a lot was good, blah, 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 not good enough. It no. was okay given the timeline that they're on if you accept the timeline. But this offseason, they need an elite bat. They need more rotation depth. They need a top of the rotation arm, and they cannot go into the season with a bullpen that yeah. is asking guys who have never been high leverage relievers before to carry them to a playoff spot. They need to shore up those cracks. There were cracks. The foundation is strong, but there were cracks. There were leaks, and they they cannot be there when they break camp come 2024. The last comment in reference to that is I hope they layer on that foundation and bring in outside voices to the front office and to developmental staff. I don't think... I. Generally speaking, we're going to do this in, in, in the Austin. Generally speaking, I think it's good to continue to add to that. I don't want the stagnant thought process, the overall thinking to be still in this, you know, consistent sure. bubble. I need more voices. I need more people coming from outside the organization into the organization because there are cracks. There were extremes. That can't happen. If you want to win the World Series and be the juggernaut, then you can't have, that's unacceptable. And if it doesn't get fixed, despite all the good, being good is not good enough. You need yep. to be the best. And the standard yep. is the best. I want to be the Los Angeles Dodgers. I want to be yep. the consistent pitching machine that the Rays have been. And if it's not going to be like that, there's a lot of people who want opportunity. This will be, the defining offseason for the Cubs. If they, if we're doing this episode a year from now and we're not an obvious juggernaut potential, yep. it's not good enough. Yep. It uh, won't be. Mac in our YouTube chat says expectations have gone up. Yep. That's what this team did. 
you set the table where now you've had a winning season, you're doing the consolation prize of looking at what was nice in this season, even though you didn't make the playoffs. That's it. That's all the leeway that this team is going to get and this front office is going to get and the manager and the owner and everybody. It has got to get better. And you cannot be sitting here looking at a bunch of kind of obvious things that cost them in the end. You know, if you have a great team and we all look at it and go, this roster is incredible, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't work, right? Like sometimes that happens, right? Like baseball is baseball. Sometimes that happens. That's not what happened here. There were a lot of obvious flaws and things that needed to be fixed and things that weren't good enough to get them across the finish line. And maybe for some, or maybe in some context, that was okay for 2023. Uh, but this is a big off season. And yes, Tanya in our YouTube chat says more swing and miss. You need more swing and yeah, miss I'm on this you. pitching staff. Absolutely. That is a, a huge problem. When you look at so many one run games and close games and relying on these relievers, bad stuff can happen, right? Generally, <laughs> if the batter doesn't hit the ball, if it goes into Jan Gomes mitt, Nobody has to catch it. It or can't find a hole. It can't land in a bad spot. It just gets caught and it's an out. So yeah. there is a lot to do, but I think they can do it. It's going to be an interesting offseason. When, yeah, when you know, you if you don't re-sign Cody Bellinger, you have not only do you need to replace that offense, you need to go on top of it. To it. Right? Yeah. You need to figure out where you're going to slot some of these young guys. Do the Cubs look at the trade market? You need more swing and miss. On the pitching staff, you need a more reliable bullpen. You don't. I don't think they need to pump all their money into the bullpen, but you need a more reliable yep. bullpen, and you need that pitching depth. We saw, and we talked about this so much, Brendan, when they added starters, and we were like, "Well, where, you know, is this guy going to fit in? Is he the sixth starter, the seventh starter?" And we said it all the time. You're going to need more than that. Yeah. You know, don't worry about who's getting the, you know, the one through five in the rotation spot in April. You're going to need more in it, right? Like you need pitching depth and they didn't have enough of it. So yeah. a huge offseason for Jed Hoyer and the Chicago Cubs team. Uh, but I, I do have expectations that they're going to deliver uh, on that. Am I an yep. idiot for that? I don't know. Yes, you are. Stay tuned and, and find so out. Am I. Um, we are going to sign off. Uh, we will keep you apprised of what the off-season schedule looks like for Brendan and I and, uh, you know, of course, Cody and Luke and Ryan. I'll be back in Chicago and we'll be in the studio throughout the off-season. You can go to allchgo.com and follow along for all of Ryan Herrera and Jared Willis' uh, written content. Um, follow at chgo underscore Cubs on Twitter. Uh, and we will, I will end the episode, obviously, Brendan, if you have anything to add on. Uh, I will just end with a sincere thank you. Uh, as we said, this is Brendan and I's eighth season uh, covering the Chicago Cubs. We've been doing podcasts for eight years now, uh, so many hours. And I, I, I will say uh, the experience with the chgo Cubs community um, and being able to interact with y'all live on the YouTube shows and um, have that community uh, has been a real pleasure for us. Um, and this isn't how we wanted this season to end, uh, but Brendan and I have a thousand thoughts on the Cubs running through our heads all day, every day. And yeah. to be able to share that with y'all and have people listen to us and appreciate our analysis, despise our analysis, uh, love Brendan's graphs, 
love my poorly photoshopped memes on Twitter. It it means a lot. It's very cool. Uh, it's it's a, a, a wonderful opportunity for Brendan and I. So a sincere thank you for listening, watching, interacting. Uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate you. Uh, we will be here, the CHGO Cubs team, all through the offseason uh, to cover however this offseason goes. So, uh, Brendan, anything to add? I mean, you always have the words. I don't have the words like you do for the uh, sincere thank yous, but I echo everything you said. I got a chance to meet some of you who have been listening since 2017. And I don't know about you, Corey, as time goes on, it's like, you know, eight years is a long time doing this. It's like a staple, like, yeah. you know, in, in our weekly routines and everything. And I, I, I am thankful for that because I don't know if I would be health. I'm already like not healthy to begin with, but this team, but like having the venue and the stage to express this and talk with you and, and engage with fans and meet friends through this. It's, it's a real pleasure. And I'm grateful that yeah. we have this opportunity. So thank you. Looking forward to doing this continuously. And it's been a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, as I mentioned, a shout out to our colleagues, Cody Del Mendo, Luke Stuckmeyer, Ryan yeah, Herrera, super fun. Jared Willis. Uh, I love our CHGO Cubs team. I think it's it's such a diverse uh, team of fans and writers and analysts, uh, and I'm proud to be a part of it. Brendan and I are proud yeah. to be a part of it, uh, and we look forward to continuing to cover this team. Uh, and I look forward to covering this team, getting back into the playoffs and being back in World Series contention, and that starts with this offseason. So we have a month to get through these playoffs, whether you enjoy that when the Cubs aren't in it or not. And then the work begins for Jed Hoyer and the CHGO Cubs team will be here to cover it all. Thank you again for following and listening along during this 2023 season. Unfortunately, this is where the Cubs season ends, uh, but we turn a new leaf and we look to 2024. So thank you for tuning in to the CHGO Cubs podcast. Brendan and I will talk to you again soon. And whether we are in the midst of a season or heading into the dark, you know, part of the off season, as always, go Cubs.